Hey guys, welcome to today's discussion. We're going to be spending some time on the alchemist archetype, which in a lot of decks is actually called temperance. So with that being noted, there's not too much to talk about on the actual alchemist. I'll kind of add in my own thoughts and opinions, uh, knowing what I know from working with Tarot and doing readings for others and myself. And then we'll talk a little bit about Emotions, which that's what temperance is, is our emotions. So uh, tying in the alchemist to our emotions and how that that manifesting that manifesting process works. So and then we're going to do a guided meditation at the end. And that is going to be focused around uh, Pluto going in Pluto going into Aquarius and thus bringing in lots of revolutionary energies and all of today kind of ties into having uh, us control our emotions and not letting our emotions control us so um so let's get started on this so the alchemist is considered the great way the body as per the law of one and it is the 14th archetype so let's see what they say this is out of session 81, question 14. Uh, the great way the body is called the alchemist because there is an infinity of time for the various bodies to operate within to learn the lessons necessary for evolution. Is this correct? And raw answers. This is less than completely correct as the great way the body must be seen as are all the archetypes of the body, to be a mirror image of the thrust of the activity of the mind. The body is a creature of the mind and is the instrument of manifestation for the fruits of the mind and the spirit. You may see the body is providing the asinor through which the alchemist manifests gold. So the asinor is basically like a special furnace that an alchemist used. So when you look at, you know, physical alchemists, when they are trying to turn um, other objects, physical objects into gold, you know, I was looking around and researching ancient alchemists and modern day and all. It all really has to do, a lot of philosopher's stone came up and they were trying to, at least in ancient times, um, you know, create this philosopher's stone and that. So, but um, again, Athenor, Furnace. Uh, I will say, so the 14th card is the Alchemist. And a lot of decks, the 14th card is called Temperance. Uh, temperance is having to do with the emotions now, it is said somewhere else, and maybe it's when I expand on this one down here, where it does say that the emotions actually come from the mind. Okay, so the mind is the one that is um, uh, creating the environment for emotions to occur, let's say. Uh, and, of course, there's chemical reactions involved, but it comes from the mind first. Okay, so this is a mind over matter thing. We'll go into a lot about emotions here in a bit, but, um, and, and Ra explains it so well about, you know, not having that visceral reaction and not having a visceral reaction to the catalyst in front of you is what really negates that process of 
chemical reactions caused by the the uh, the mind interpreting the catalyst that is in front of you. So I I do like how they say the body is a creature of the mind because this goes in with the the first archetype that appears is the magician, and that's just consciousness in general, not the part of you that is um thinking and doing all this processing, but just consciousness in general, awareness. Okay, and just that awareness is really what uh, makes the body. So, um, and again, the body listens to the mind. The body listens to what the mind is saying. Okay. Uh, this one, I want to go backwards in a little bit because it doesn't really, um, it asks what would Ra comment on that. So we need to go backwards a little bit. And it's not necessarily doing talking about the alchemist in general, but it's talking about the great ways and what the great ways it themselves represent. So let's read this question really quick. This is 103 question 10. Um, I have a few questions on card 7, which is the great way to mind, and that's the chariot. In order to finish off our first run through the archetypes of the mind, there is a T with two right angles above it, and it's talking about the pictures on the card uh, on the chest of the entity. We have guessed that the lower T has to do with the possibility of choosing either path in the transformation, so service to self, service to others, and the upper two angles representing the great way of the left or right-hand path. So right-hand path, service to others, left-hand path, service to self. In a mental transformation that makes the change from space-time into time-space. Is there anything correct? <laughs> and yeah, he, Ross says yes. So that is, there at least something correct in that whole question. So this is where they say, would you comment on that, please? You know, um, the use of the towel and the architect's square is indeed intended to suggest the proximity of time, uh, sorry, space time of the great ways environment to space time. So once we kind of reach these the great way archetypes, um, you know, we, we almost kind of find ourselves spending more time in time space and space time. And I think the balance of it all requires us to be kind of balanced in the two being present inward, but also being present outward in the same time and being able to, have all these these things happening in time space and recognizing them, but also recognizing what's happening on the outside uh, in space time itself. Uh, the entire mood of the great way is indeed dependent on the notable difference from the significator. A significator is a significant self to a great extent, but not entirely influenced by the lowering of the veil. The great way, the mind, body, or the spirit draws the environment which has been the new architecture caused by the veiling process and then thusly dipped in the great limitless current of time space okay expansion of consciousness expansion of self you know or idea of self and recognizing that you know we do have this multi-dimensional aspect of our own self Um, let's go back 
as we've already we've already talked about uh, the chariot. Although it's very interesting information. So that was pretty much the rundown on what the alchemist is, but I wanted to bring in the emotional context of it. Since, again, I know the alchemist is temperist uh, in other decks. It's the same thing. So let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> emotions. This is session 42, question 11. How could an individual assess what energy centers within its being are activated and in no immediate need of further attention and which energy centers are not activated and are in need of immediate attention? Okay. The thoughts of an entity, its feelings or emotions, and least of all, its behavior are the signposts for the teach learning of self by self. In this analysis of one's experiences of, of a dinernal cycle, an entity may assess what is considered to be appropriate, inappropriate thoughts, behaviors, feelings, and emotions. Okay. In examining these inappropriate activities of the mind, body, and spirit complexes, the entity may then place these distortions in the proper vibrational array and thus see where work is needed. Okay. So while we're doing all of our processing, which that is the job of the unmanifested self, as we've discussed before, um, a good practice would be to, um, you know, think about these these inappropriate thoughts, behaviors, and feelings throughout the day or a diurnal, diurnal cycle, as it's suggesting. Um, depending on what you have time for and what you don't to process all these experiences. So just for example, say I lacked compassion in one of my daily experiences, and that's friends, family, stranger, whatever. Um, I lacked compassion. Let's say I saw a homeless person and I'm like, you know what? I'm moving on. You know, when I could have, I just bought a whole thing of groceries and I could have given him a loaf of bread and, I just, I didn't see that compassion. I didn't see that empathy. So that would have to do with green ray, right? Place these distortions in the proper by vibrational ray and thus see where it has worked. So I know then that I needed to have a little bit of compassion or empathy involved. And that goes into my heart chakra. So uh, another example would be, you know, um, Let's see here is a red ray. Let's pick on the red ray, which is our foundation. That is survival. That is uh, actually, I feel like love can be placed in there because that is an actual physical human need an emotional need. Um, and um, let's say, and that has to do with a lot with dreaming too, actually. I can tell you several dreams from way before where I would have like, you know, sense of survival dreams. But anyway, let's focus on foundations. You know, do I have everything I need? Am I coming from a place of lack? Okay. I am angry because I don't have this right now. And I feel like I need this right now. Well, that is a lack point of view. And, you know, this thing might be something that I feel like I need to survive. Okay. That is a red ray issue. So let's put it in the red ray. 
and understand that I need to work on that. And maybe my language is not appropriate. Maybe I need to do um, some daily, um, uh, some daily reminders that, and, and be in the feeling, some daily mantras that I have everything I need in this moment. So it comes from our mind first. Uh, you know, again, the body is a creature of the mind. So we put the, put that in our mind. You know what? I do have everything I need. I do. And I'm surviving. So why am I coming from this place of lack? And I think that is a programmed human thing. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, I think we're programmed to think that we just need more, more and more, you know, all day, every day. When in fact, 99.9% .9 of us probably have everything we need, but we're, we're still in this place of lack. So doing those daily, like, oh my, recognizing number one, that that part of you needs work and then recognizing that it can be balanced by understanding and looking around you and being grateful for what you do have. Okay. Instead of looking at the things that you don't. Um, and you know, coming from a place of, I do have everything I need right now. So, um, let's move on though. Um, so question, I'm sorry, session 30 question four. Is there any loss to the mind or sphere after this transition that we call death? Okay. And it's talking about the loss of the chemical body that we have. So our uh, 3D space-time. The character, or shall we say the pure distillations of emotions and biases or distortions and wisdoms, becoming obvious for the first time, these pure emotions and wisdoms uh, being for the most part either ignored or underestimated during uh, physical life experience. In the terms of the spiritual, um, much open to the lack, I think it's talking about Carla, to the lack of necessity for the for forgetting characteristic of third density. So that's talking about after death, you know, um, I think you're able to, to look at more of the emotional aspect things after death than you were before. There is, here we go. This is a really important one. And then there's one after regarding emotions that um, I feel like is imperative, especially with these this Aquarius energy coming in. So session 42, question 10. How can a person know when he is unswayed by an emotionally charged situation if he is represented? repressing the flow of emotions or if he is in balance and truly unswayed. We shall briefly iterate that to the balanced entity, no situation has an emotional charge, but is simply a situation like any other in which the entity may or may not observe an opportunity to be of service. So at this point, you know, we're kind of like an observer and we recognize that there is a situation in front of us and we're making an internal decision at that point if we have something to offer that situation. Uh, the, close, the closer an entity comes to this attitude, the closer the entity is to balance. You may note that it is not a recommendation that reactions to catalysts be repressed or suppressed unless such reactions would be a stumbling block, not consonant with the law of one to another self. 
it is far, far better to, to allow the experience to express itself in order that the entity may take in a fuller use of this catalyst. So you don't necessarily need to repress emotions. And in fact, I think repressing emotions almost leads to more outbursts later on, um, at least from my own uh, experience working as a nurse and hospice and, um, you know, friends and family, you know, I've noticed the ones that kind of repress things end up kind of almost exploding. So it's almost like they're saying, hey, it is okay to have those emotions. It absolutely is. But it's also okay to kind of just be an observer of the situation and then calmly make a decision whether or not you have something to offer or if you want even if you even want to accept that catalyst. Um, let's move on if you like. This is here we go. There's a couple of them. This is session 42, question nine. What is the difference in terms of energy center activations between a person who represses emotionally charged responses to emotionally charged situations and the person who is balanced and therefore truly unswayed by emotionally charged situations? So there's a big difference. Um, okay, they say it's an incorrect assumption. Okay. To the truly balanced entity, no situation would be emotionally charged. Okay, so emotional charge, I would, I almost kind of want, I wish where I would give a definition on emotionally charged. So with this understood, we may say the following, the, rep, the repression of emotions depolarizes the entity insofar as it then chooses not to use the catalytic action of space-time present in a spontaneous manner, thus dimming the energy centers. So repressing the emotions actually might cause a dimming of these. There is, however, some polarization towards positive. If the cause of this repression is in consideration for other selves. So that may be the difference. So uh, as far as not wanting to scare somebody, so by not having not having a reactions, you're in consideration of another self or um, not expressing that anger in that moment because you don't want another person to get upset or it's just not a, an appropriate thing to do. So um nursing <laughs> okay nursing there's a lot that goes into that as far as having to do lots of things that you know might be repulsive to other people so there was a lot of um knowing when to express that and knowing when not to express that that's just an example that i'm giving uh, but this can be appropriate in other uh, walks of life as well, even with their own families and being a parent and especially being a parent, uh, friends and any situation, really. The entity which has worked long enough with the catalyst to be able to feel the catalyst but not find it necessary to express reactions is not yet balanced, but suffers no depolarization due to the transparency of its experiential continuum. 
Thus, the gradual increase is the ability to observe one reactions and know that the self will bring the self closer to a truer balance. Okay. Patience is requested and suggested. For the catalyst is intensifying your plane and its use must be appreciated over time. Yep. Okay. Um, and yet, you know, you're going to find your own examples in your own life of this, uh, but, you know, I, it, just going into, my point is going all over this, we have Pluto going into Aquarius again starting on Sunday, and I think there's lots of revolutionary energies coming with it. I've been feeling it in the last week or so in my own mind while trying to process my own stuff. All these revolutionary energies are coming in, and I, I was like, oh, that's what that is. You know, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that need to, uh, just like our uh, the U.S., founding fathers did when they it was the same time same time again and the french revolution happened at a very uh similar time period if not the same time period but this is you know the the point in the astrological cycle with pluto going into aquarius where um the the, the ones that have been oppressed kind of push out the oppressors so um this is this you might feel this in a, an individual level and you're probably going to feel it in a collective level so i feel like prioritizing being able to control those emotions as opposed to letting the emotions control us you know is a big step in making this transition into that time period as peaceful as possible and i know it can't all be peaceful but um and but we can do what we can as individuals that are working towards this higher state of being and wanting to be peaceful and wanting to be a peaceful race and uh going forward in that way so and it's not a good time to make any emotional decisions so and i know what we're going to be having all kinds of things politically and um the folks are going to be trying to get us instigated and so by doing our own inner work and recognizing what that energy is and recognizing what is not as a lot of one says we can then become you know what we actually want to see in the world so there was another one let's see here we go. This one is. This is session 42, question two. Um, I am assuming that the balanced entity would not be swayed either towards a positive or negative emotions by any situation which he might confront. By remaining an emotional in any situation, the balanced entity make clearly discern the appropriate and necessary responses in harmony with the love one for each situation. So, okay. It's a long question. Hmm. Basically, it's asking, um, you know, positive, determining positive or negative responses to emotional situations. Do we let those flow smoothly Okay, as there's another part in here about being the 
the observer would that allow him to remain unemotional and undistorted in regards to a love one in any situation much like the objective uh, viewer of the television movie so let's see what raw has an answer for incorrect application of balancing okay the exercise of first experiencing feelings and then consciously discovering their antithesis within the being has as its objective not the small excuse me not the smooth flow of feelings both positive and negative while remaining unswayed but rather the objective of becoming unswayed we, we want to be unswayed with these outward catalysts simpler result and takes much practice yeah you don't say <laughs> The catalyst of experience works in order for the learned teachings of this density to occur. However, if there is seen being a response, even if it is simply observed, the entity is still using the catalyst for learning. Okay, so the observer is still kind of using that, uh, that as a catalyst. And the end result is that the catalyst is no longer needed. Thus, this density is no longer needed. This is not indifference or objectivity, but rather a finely tuned compassion and love, which sees all things as love. The seeing elicits no response due to catalytic reactions. Thus, the entity is then now able to become co-creator of experiential occurrences. This is a much truer balance. Okay. Let me take a drink. So the end result is, is the catalyst is no longer needed. And it takes much practice. No pressure. But they make a really good points. And when I think of reactions, I think of visceral reactions. When I say visceral, visceral reactions, it means that feeling in the pit of your stomach. You know, uh, like when you go over a hill really fast in a car. And it creates that butterfly feeling. So, um, and you know, if we're going to be getting any type of ET disclosure or extra dimensional disclosure, or what are we going to, what is the human race going to do if we have not worked on our visceral, visceral reactions? Um, you know, what is society going to do if, if the collective or at least a few in the collective have not worked on their reactions to things? So I think uh, the purpose of doing the inner work is to kind of negate that or to be able to have no reaction in a sense, right? Um, and not get to a point where if they show up in front of us in a few years or, uh, you know, whenever they will, if ever they will, to for us to not need that as a catalyst anymore. You know, work on the the reactions that we're having now in the collective, in our personal lives, individually, with our own self, um, working on having no no reactions with those. So, and I see exactly why empaths and narcissists, you know, it's kind of a teaching for both of them. Well, the fact that they are almost attracted to each other. Um but the empath will hopefully that is in with the relationship with the narcissist and that's kind of 
synonymous to our relationship with, you know, the elites. Um, but the empath will hopefully come out of it and understand what kind of relationship they are in and create an environment where they don't need to react to everything because that is what the narcissist wants them to do is, is make those emotional reactions. So, um, it's almost like going to boot camp for the empath, learning how to control their, their empathic abilities and recognize when somebody is deceiving you or not deceiving you. Um, it's also a lesson in keeping boundaries and, um, not letting uh, folks, you know, violate those boundaries and that. And by doing that as well, you are the example, even though some people might not understand, but you're giving people an example on how to take their power back. You know, you are giving that example in creating boundaries. You are, you know, giving that example on um, how to control emotions, giving that example to others so they can learn how and when others are trying to deceive them as well and, and giving that that reaction of love they're somewhere in the i don't know if it's in here or if it's somewhere else but there is a a point where they say the reaction should be of love and you know to somebody that's been in that kind of relationship you know any one of you how you have a reaction of love well you know it does say once we kind of raise the vibrations into the threshold of um you know fourth density you know we are going to be looking at the so-called negative things from a point of love and understanding and understanding that hey they're just trying to figure out what this is just like the rest or understand that they are missing an opportunity for growth and hope that at some point they will see it as an opportunity for growth and that so um so and and they point out too you know don't don't necessarily suppress them but recognize that you are having this this reaction internally such maybe let's pick on anger you know i'm angry it's not necessarily wrong to be angry and you shouldn't suppress that, but you suppression and expression are two different things. Okay. Um, and maybe working that anger out in your mind a little bit can be a lot healthier than expressing it in a physical way. So, um, but that being said, Before we go to the meditation, though, this is where I was talking about. They were saying, you know, the, the emotions do come from the mind. Okay. Uh, this is a matter of using the mind to examine how the feelings and the biases or what you call the emotions affect various portions of the body complex. So um, and we do have to understand how much our emotions affect our our bodily complex. You know, as far as being angry with ourselves, that can cause some um very harmful effects to our bodies ulcers and other types of things um joy you know can almost make it seem like you're glowing you know um and anxiety can make you appear uh very very rigid and it also has some negative uh health effects as well 
bodily systems on internal organs and and that type of thing so um you know have big enough anxiety attack i mean i've seen people think that they're having heart attacks you know and that's just the feelings that it gives and who's to say that they can't actually achieve that because of this anxiety and me knowing the effects that our mind plays on our bodies so the body is a creature of the mind therefore the mind i'm sorry the body listens to the mind okay um so let's move on to the meditation i'm not quite sure it'll be too terribly long um and i do have uh, a lot of things in mind on what i want to go over with this meditation but i am going to stop sharing my screen right now there we go if everybody uh, would get me in their comfortable position and make sure that they have all that they need, crystals, incense, music, uh, whatever you would like to use. Okay. We're going to close our eyes. We're going to take in a few deep breaths, breathe in and hold. And breathe out. Breathe in. And hold. And breathe out. One more time, breathe in. And hold and breathe out. Now we're going to visualize a, a great glowing sphere above our crown chakra. It's glowing, it's vibrating. It's almost a liquid movement. A golden stream of light comes down from this sphere and enters our crown chakra. And it moves in a spiraling motion down through all of the chakras from the indigo to the blue to the green the yellow 
the orange. And the red. It moves from the red down to our feet. Now it moves to our feet. We're going to place our mind in that light. We are going to be that light that it moves straight down into the earth. We follow this straight down. We are that light moving down into the earth. We see ourselves moving through the rock, the caverns, the streams, the crystals that we move right through. Moving down and down and down. We find ourselves at the core. We wrap around the core. And move back up. Again, we move back up through the crystals, caverns and caves, and crystals again. As we move up and up, we find ourselves back at our feet and we still find ourselves in this light. We are that light as it moves back up through the red ray. We see ourselves in this red ray and we see ourselves moving into each and every cell. And the atoms We clear this space, balance, we crystallize this space. We move to the orange ray. We see ourselves, this light, move into this, this space and clear it. We balance it. And we crystallize it. We then move to the yellow ray. As we move into each and every cell and atom of this space,
we clear it. We then balance it. This is our power center. This is our 3G reality. We crystallize this space from this light. And as we move into the green ray, we move into the spaces of the heart and the lungs. We see that it's our compassion and our understanding and our empathy. We seep into each and every cell of this area as we clear it. We add this light that is ourselves into this space. We balance. And we crystallize. Then we move into the Blu-ray area. And this is our voice. We hear ourselves speaking. We see our vocal cords vibrating with the words. This is our truth. This is our honesty. This is us being loyal with ourselves and others. We as this light radiate this light and love in this area. We balance. We then crystallize this space with the light that is us. We then move to the indigo ray. And as we look around this space, we find our pineal glands, our pituitary glands. We see the areas that get cleared. Us being this light, we seep into each and every cell and atom of this space. As we clear what needs to be cleared. We see the parts of ourselves that reside here as we balance. And then we crystallize.
And from there is the violet ray, the crown. As we arrest this light here that is ourselves, we see the sum of who we are. And we see that we are this light that is in this world. From this crown, we take and remove that light to create this other sphere around our being, our total being. And we're going to take our focus to the things that we love most in this world, whether that's being alive, experience, or family. We come from a place of love and gratitude. Our jobs, our service. We add this, this feeling of love, this emotion of love, the vibration of love. And as we do that, we see this fear that's inside of us and outside of us, gaining light. We see the light that is in each and every cell of our being that we place there brightening and shining from the inside. Moving outward. It's as if we're glowing with this love and light. And we say to those parts of ourselves, the higher self, our total self, the creator, that we are willing to serve this love outwardly. We are willing to be that light. We are that light. We are that love, and now is the time to radiate that outward. It shines forth from within us into our world. We take these energies that are coming in, these revolutionary energies, and we transmute them into love and knowledge and truth and light. And know that as we walk around in our daily lives, we will be radiating this into our outward world from experience to experience, from each opportunity of teaching of learning, of service. 
and we give gratitude to ourselves, we give gratitude to those who are present with us, to our ancestors, to our descendants, to Creator, our guides. And we're going to sit with this feeling for just a moment and see that light radiating outwards from ourselves. And once more, we give gratitude. And we're going to come back to present moment. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. Breathe in. And hold. And breathe out. Breathe in and hold and breathe out. One more, breathe in and hold and breathe out. Coming back to present moment, we're going to start shaking our feet and our toes and wiggling our fingers around and our legs, moving them around, shaking them about, our back, our shoulders, our arm, our neck, our head, roll the head slowly. Give yourselves a few minutes. I'll check back in.